Please pronounce your name correctly for me. Alena Faustkova. And where are you from? I'm uh, originally Czech. Uh, however, I lived in Canada for 11 years. And so I got also a Canadian citizenship. So now I have Czech and Canadian uh, passport. Nice. And you live in Prague now? I actually live outside of Prague. It's called Černošice. And it's uh, a short distance, about maybe 16 kilometers, I believe, out of Prague. One of the things I'm always fascinated with when I talk to anybody who works in the arts is how did they get made, basically? So like what mm-hmm, nature mm-hmm. versus nurture, mm-hmm. like was it natural? Were your parents creative or mm-hmm. was it mm-hmm. influenced by a teacher or a lover? Or mm-hmm. you know, how, did, how did you end up mm-hmm. on the path to get you to the point of being an artist? So, so start with like siblings, parents, what did they do? How did they potentially either influence or not influence you? <laughs> uh, my whole family mostly are pharmacists. My parents, my sister, my father's brother was a pharmacist. His both children were pharmacists. My grandfather was a pharmacist. Okay, so that's quite a family tradition. Quite a tradition, exactly. You know, so uh, I kind of uh, fall out of it, out of this pattern. However, on my mother's side, I would say that probably if if there was any gene that. Uh, I could uh, get, you know, to to actually develop my creativity. Uh, her family last name was, uh, surname was Malina from, you know, one of her side of, of her background. And uh, my uncle, whose name was also Malina, Frank Malina, uh, was a pioneer of kinetic art. I was going to say this name world. sounds familiar to me. Right, yeah. He actually he was born in the States already because um part of the family moved to the States and uh, and um and settled there and then his brother moved to southern uh, part of uh, of the continent to Brazil. So one brother stayed in the United States in Texas. And uh, his brother went all the way down to Brazil, uh, and he had four children there. One of them was my grandmother, and he eventually moved back, you know, to his homeland, to Czechoslovakia at that time. And the other brother stayed in the States and had children, uh, and one of the children was this Frank Malina, uh, who was um, a astronomer at first, because he studied at Berkeley, and uh, uh, was um, in the team of uh, people who uh, are of, of um, astrophysicists, I think I guess uh, that would be a, a better expression for this, uh, who uh, created the first rocket, first space rocket for NASA. Wow, okay, so yeah. this is the 50s and 60s. That was, yeah, before the 50s, I think. Before the yeah, 50s, yeah, okay. Yeah, because uh, after the 50s, he moved to Europe. He lived in France for some time, and he started to paint, and he devoted all his time to art, and he felt like uh, he missed so much time in the science that he should have been in the arts, you know, much earlier. Hmm. And and he actually combined uh, the science, you know, and the knowledge 
of the mechanics and of the universe with pieces that he created later that were kind of based on uh, on the inspiration of the universe, you know, with these planetary systems. And one of them, uh, actually, I have home. Um, it's in the box down here at the moment. That I put my jacket <laughs> it's, on. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and um, it's called Nebula. So he also gave it uh, special titles, you know, related to the space. And uh, so I think that was probably the closest uh, to the uh, creative genes that I like to claim, you know, that I'm part of, you know, that family. And there was also another relative who lived in the country who, who was an artist in the region of Wallachia, which is in Moravia. His son, one of his two sons of this Frank Molina, uh, his name is Roger Molina. He also followed in the father's footsteps as an astrophysicist, also studied at Berkeley. And uh, they originated uh, a, an, uh, a magazine called Leonardo, which they still publish in California. And it combines science with art. You know, so usually uh, artists who use science somehow to, to make their art would be the typical uh, participants in the magazine. I totally understand. Yeah, went to school with a number of people that do that kind of work. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now then, so that's your family and your family history. So then, did you go to schooling? Did you get any sort of proper? Uh, I can always use the word proper training. Did you get any sort of formal training in the arts? Mm -hmm. I did. I studied uh, the Academy of Fine Arts in Prague at the end of nineteen uh, seventies and beginning of nineteen eighties. And my um, studio uh, that I um, kind of took for five years of my study was printmaking. Uh, so it was uh, really in the techniques, you know, of, of the traditional kind of printing. I was going to say, be more yeah. specific. What's, mm -hmm. what's your mm -hmm. specialty? What's your favorite? Well, I don't do it anymore. You know, I don't have any printing press at home. Uh, Why not? Uh, it's just too technical, very time consuming, I would say, uh, something that is more about the craft and the skill. And uh, I don't, f I don't feel that uh, I have the need to express, you know, my ideas through that skill so much anymore. Even though I still like, you know, if, if I have a chance, I, I, I would make a print uh, of some sort. Probably linoleum cut would be the you know easiest to make now okay. because Line you can do it at home. Sure, uh, but I would do all the you know etchings and aquatins and uh, lithographs you know, and all the love techniques basically. I love yeah. them all; they're mm. so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, they are beautiful in its um, kind of noble way of producing right these things mm. and and you really have to know how to do it oh it's a little it's bit of chemistry it's a little bit of, bit of art exactly, like yeah. it's, it's definitely mm -hmm. got a, there's a certain element of science definitely in, in good printmaking so you graduated from avu from doing printmaking you say that you sort of have now moved on in your career sort of what we'll call it beyond printmaking mm -hmm. what what uh, what brought you to the point of doing that like I'm mm -hmm. personally at a transitional point in my mm -hmm. uh, artistic career where I started off as a photographer and did that for many decades even at mm -hmm. this point mm -hmm. and recently in the past few years have transitioned away from photographic works into more 
constructed painting, collage, mm -hmm. uh, multimedia exactly, kind of stuff. Yeah. And so that's why I'm, I'm very interested in sort of why do we seem to almost sort of like get bored with or is it that we it's got that. bored with mm -hmm. or that we like just feel like we've done everything we can do in it and now we want to do add some other layer to it why why are we feeling this restlessness mm -hmm. to change mediums and do something else i think in my case it was not that i would get bored it was more my course of uh, my life that actually took me to canada and it was not so easy anymore, you know, to pursue printmaking there. What was the thing that brought you to Canada? Um, we emigrated there with my husband already that uh, in uh, in the um, time or during the time of communism. That was in 1984, uh, during the summer of that year. And uh, we could not see that the system could, you know, wear out and uh, I was gonna actually say, collapse. Just ever. five years short of you exactly. could have just stuck it out for five more years. Right? Yeah, yeah. But we were at the age, you know, we I was twenty seven. My husband was like short of twenty nine. I think he was still twenty eight. We were quite young. We wanted to explore the world, and um, mainly, we did not want to have children in that in that system. You know, that was so rigid not really letting you express freely, especially, you know, in, in our profession or in my profession, when uh, uh, you felt so constrained, you know, you could not really express your thoughts. Which is an interesting yeah. thing. I, I, I've been reading about, I've been and, and learning the history of the Czech Republic now that I live here. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I, I, I've never lived under that kind mm -hmm. of, pressure right. per se yeah. i mean i did a little bit when i lived in uh, the united arab emirates you know mm -hmm. I, I had to sort of fit with sharia law and things like this mm -hmm. but but never to the extent of which you're talking about yeah. so like oh, this uh, police yeah, how, surveillance how was that it was crazy you know like we did not maybe realize when we lived in that system how that we lived our young lives, you know, as anybody else. But of course, we were very limited. We could not uh, enjoy life as anybody, you know, like as you would. Well, that's a good, my point. Is yeah. like, did you know you were limited? Like, of course, yeah. We did? we okay. we knew that. Yeah, we 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 lived double lives. We knew from our families, you know, that we could not say things in the public. We could not even trust our closest friends to say things because they could be agents of the you know secret police and it happened often you know that friends that you thought were really close to you uh would denounce you to the police you know and uh uh so it was this Did paranoia this to you um we believe that actually my husband got his passport taken by the police before we managed to escape from the country he was once called by the police to come with his passport to the station. And so he came and uh, they told him it's not in the interest of this country, of the state, to, for you to have a passport, so give it back to us. And that meant that he would not be allowed to leave the country, country right. after that, uh, which was based on a uh, anonymous, you know... Uh, well, not anonymous, of, but well, anonymous to you. Yeah, only <laughs> anonymous to us. We think that we might know who, who might be the person that it was one of the closed uh, people whom we uh, shared some ideas with and then they 
got, you know, to mm. to those hands. And so it took a while for him to actually be able to travel. My father had to intervene, you know, somehow because he had some connections. As a pharmacist, they all needed him, you know, they all were sick, you know, people with problems with alcohol, and, you know, and uh, they kind of needed all kinds of pills to, to help them. Nothing's these, changed. You know, problems, exactly. <laughs> so so yeah, eventually, you know, he got a passport that allowed us to go to Yugoslavia, you know, to the former Yugoslavia mm. as a country, which we did. And um, I managed to actually uh, stand overnight in a queue to get to the door of the travel agency in time to get that trip to uh, have one day trip to Venice within that trip to Yugoslavia. Right. And so that's how we escaped with, you know, just one day possibility to get to the West uh, without any luggage, any money. You know, we had nothing. Yeah, because it would have been obvious that you yeah, were yeah, trying yeah. to we leave. We could not take anything. anything. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, the system really was, uh, for some people, it might not cause you any problems. You know, if you had a job that did not conflict in any way, you know, with um, uh, with uh, the system, mm -hmm. you did not question it or you did not uh, provoke it in any way. But as an artist, it was, you know, quite different. And I did not want to subordinate myself, you know, to, uh, to being told, you know, what I can do or what I cannot do. Yeah, I, I felt a similar mm -hmm, in, mm -hmm. in the United Arab Emirates. I mean, uh -huh. Going from yeah. a reasonably open and free country in America to a, a, mm -hmm. a, a, mm -hmm. a Sharia law country, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it's not, it wasn't a explicit. They didn't like tell you, mm -hmm. but they sort of alluded to you. Like yeah. it wouldn't be in your best interest to do that. It wouldn't encourage it's that. It's the same, you know, all these uh, authoritarian uh, systems are like this, right? They just advise you, you know, it's not yeah. in your interest to yeah. not uh, give your work to an exhibition that, um, uh, that celebrates uh, the victory of of the Russian army or the Soviet army during the Second World War, for instance, you know, like it was constant celebrations, you know, of, of this sort. Yeah, I couldn't do an exhibition in Israel, let's say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Something mm -hmm. like that, yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it's just, it's very interesting. I mean, we artists, I mean, we think that this kind of stuff doesn't really matter and it doesn't really influence us. We think, oh, we'll be creative regardless and all this, but like it does affect us. Mm. Yeah, you, you censor your mind basically, right? You mm. even censor yourself before somebody else censors you. And uh, I didn't want that. Uh, my husband was also very much frustrated, you know, as a person, as a human being, with not being able to live with kind of a, free young mind you know and uh, especially when we thought of having the kids you know in this in that system we thought we could not do it to our children if we had any and uh, we wanted them to to grow up in a free society and so you moved to canada so we moved to well we moved first through that trip we escaped through uh venice through italy we had friends waiting us um at the, the san marco square uh -huh. Uh, who actually emigrated to Austria some years before. This sounds like a movie, but it's great. Go on. <laughs> and they took us uh, secretly through the border in their small car, Fiat Ritmo. They had the smallest car that we all had to cram inside. 
all four of us. It was the friend with his wife. You, you weren't in the trunk or anything like in Not a in a trunk, quite. Okay. <laughs> no, but at the border, it was also quite interesting how we got from Italy to Austria. Bribe, I'm sure. Hmm. Bribed? No, 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 no bribes. No, no, we not didn't have to bribe anybody. However, um, because in, in the system behind the so-called Iron Curtain, you had no information. We had no knowledge of what it's like, whether in, uh, in Italy they would let us stay in if we went to the police and said, we, we want to stay, you know, here, we don't want to go back, we feel that, you know, we, we would be arrested and, and all that. We were actually sentenced to three years in prison in absence, you know, when we right. did that in, yeah. in this country. And so we wanted to get to Austria, which was a neutral country mm-hmm. that we know, you know, that much we knew, knew. And we thought, you know, Austrians might not give us back uh, through the treaties, you know, and that uh, we would be safe there. So we had to get through the border. And uh, so they took us in the car, you know, across the border. At that time, everybody got checked. It was no Schengen, no European Union, of course, you know. And uh, as we were approaching the checking point... I'm getting nervous just listening. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's getting more exciting, you know, as I as I... Continue. There was a long line of cars because it was in summer and people were going for the weekend, you know, from Austria to Italy and back again. And so we didn't know, you know, what it would be like until we actually got there and it was too late to do something, you know, to kind of say we are getting off, going through the forest and, you know, we'll meet you at the other side, which was also risky, we thought. So our friend actually went ahead, the one who drove, and he came back and said, it looks fine, they are just letting the cars through. And that was the Italians, they kind of let the cars through out of their country. Uh, they didn't care. But then we got to that in-between part, mm, yeah. and, and then we saw that the Austrians checked every car you know, in front of us, just for a brief moment, show the passport, which we didn't have. Actually, they took us our passports um, at the boat. We went from Yugoslavia to Venice by boat. Mm-hmm. And the tour guide took away our passports, you know. They gave us the passports before we got checked. And then right after the check uh, point, they took the passports again and kept them. So we had no ID. We basically had our driving license only, you know. That's what we had as ID. And so we didn't have any passports for the check, you know, of the border control. And our friends had only the emigrant passports, uh, which didn't allow them to get out of the country because they were freshly in Austria and they were not supposed to leave the country. So they held those two passports. We had nothing, you know, and so we came closer and closer and the car in front of us got checked now we are approaching and the officer is just leaning down to the window to see you know the passports and at that moment his colleague from inside called him and talked to him in austrian in you know saying something to him so he turned from us to speak with him for a couple of minutes and in that time, we just slowly moved, you know, away from there. Mm-hmm. And he turns back and he checks the other car after us. So we didn't get checked. That's how we I'm telling you, got it's, there. Yeah, it's a movie. It's <laughs> that, I mean, the, the, just like the randomness of yeah. like those little yeah, yeah. moments. 
Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Oui. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. We All had right. a nice bottle of wine, you know, to drink afterwards. Sure. Yeah, I'm telling you. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So back to sort of your art mm-hmm. endeavors and stuff like mm-hmm. this. So before mm-hmm. you left uh, the Czech Republic, Czechoslovakia, Czechoslovakia at, uh, yeah, at the yeah, time, at the time. Mm-hmm. Were, you, so were, you, were you making artwork at the time? Uh, I was. I was just um, freshly finished or graduated out of uh, the academy. I was one year at home. Uh, which was in Ostrava, in um, the Moravian region. Mm. And um, then, actually, when we escaped, uh, we had to wait about half a year in Austria, near Vienna, in kind of a pension for people, you know, who wanted to apply for other countries. And we were not allowed to stay in Europe um, because we were not as persecuted or imprisoned, you know, so because Europe at that time did not want to take any more immigrants from uh, this part of the world. Again, nothing's changed. Yes. Right, yeah, exactly. And there are always, you know, barriers um, um, and wrong time of leaving. And so we were offered to go to any other continent. We could choose from um, Australia or America. We, and we chose Canada, you know, because we thought we saw a couple of documentary movies or films in uh, the library in Prague. And we thought, oh, this is a nice country. You know, it would That's be nice to, to live in Canada. Yeah. It's very social, that much we knew. And it, I think it was a great choice. You know, we really uh, loved living there. And I started to work in advertising there, actually. You know, that's where I'm getting how I started to work uh, at what I'm doing now mm-hmm. from the printmaking. Uh, I got actually a a um, one-year course at college in Toronto, which was paid by the Canadian government. And uh, that was in commercial arts. And I thought, well, that's something useful. I didn't feel that I had something in my hands from AVU that would give me any practical knowledge that I could apply for work anywhere and I had to make living somehow, right? Well, that's something I want to circle yeah. back to later mm-hmm. about okay. academia and mm-hmm. its non-preparedness mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, for yeah, students. Absolutely. I but think it's still very much like that, you know. And that's my, yeah, yeah. 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 We'll, we'll yeah. come back to yeah, that. Okay, okay. And and so I was happy that I, I took this course. I met Canadians, you know, I studied with Canadians at that school. And so I quickly kind of emerged, uh, submerged into the Canadian culture. Uh, Then I started to work in advertising in the business, you know, like really in the kind of uh, agencies or one private company first, which made me work on just small leaflets, you know, that's just the most stupid kind of leaflet you can imagine, you know, that sells the dry cleaning for 10% off. Something ah, like, like that. Door hangers. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, that, that yeah, you them. shove into an envelope, you know, ah. and then you give to people. And I really hated it. You know, after about three months, uh, I was away uh, or gone from there. And then I worked for some other advertising agencies, and and then uh, 1989 came, and in in between we had our son born. And I was home for a couple of years and uh, worked freelance. And when that happened, uh, suddenly there was a big interest in people with experience in advertising in this country, right? Who spoke Czech, who spoke English, who actually knew what this business is about. Mm-hmm. And so I had I was headhunted, you know, by um, somebody from Toronto. 
who said, well, this international agency, Saatchi and Saatchi, needs uh, our directors. Would you be interested? And I said, well, Saatchi yeah. Saatchi and Saatchi. Yeah. 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 Have you heard of Saatchi and Saatchi? I guess you must have sure. heard. Yeah, probably well, if you come. Well, well, that's the thing. Like, now. I know Saatchi mm-hmm. and Saatchi, mm-hmm. but 89, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah it's yeah, possible I didn't yeah, know Saatchi not. and Saatchi yeah, in no. 89. Yeah, it's interesting because it was not only the advertising world, but uh, Charles Saatchi, one of the two brothers, became uh, one of the top collectors of contemporary art in the world. And, and you worked England. for him, right? Well, not directly, <laughs> not directly. Wouldn't that have been great? It would, it would be lovely. I never met him, unfortunately. Ah. I still get news from Sachi and Sachi, uh, you know, the young art or collection of art, which are offering me to buy young art. You know, that's not so, uh, so much, you know, my vein of interest. However, or probably um, the price point you're willing to spend because yeah. such is not cheap generally. For sure, for sure, yeah. No, but it was a great experience. I, I actually came to Prague in 1995, in the fall of 95, and I thought, you know, this is great the way it's going. You know, the country was already kind of opening up, even though there are still so many imperfections, you know, at the time. But I told my husband, who stayed in Canada, he stayed behind with our son, who was six at the time and just started uh, first grade, that they should stay there. I'll see what it's like here on my own. And then about, I don't know, a couple of months later, I told them, you know, like, maybe you should pack it up, rent out the house, you know, that we recently bought, a small house in Toronto, and move over. It's great here, you know. So they did eventually. Yeah, Yeah, it was. Yeah, for sure. It was still very hopeful, you know. Cheap. Cheap too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so we bought actually some uh, land. That's where we are now, yeah. And we had this house built where we speak. And it was like a nightmare, you know, to go through all the permits and uh, stamps. And it was still really complicated to to build a house at that time. I hear that it's still Mm -hmm. complicated. It's still probably... I, I have not personally done it yet, but mm-hmm. uh, the p- place where I'm current, my wife and I are currently living, the, the building is still under renovations, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. The, the owner keeps telling me the, the mm-hmm. stories of, of the permitting and the yes. getting workers. We Dude, had difficulty about of getting workers as forty well. permits, forty stamps that we had to collect from you know all these parties. You know, it was nuts. Anyway, so we did this, you know, and uh, and I worked for much longer than in advertising. I worked for another company after that because Sachi actually decided to close their offices after a few years, about five years that I worked for them and move the offices only to Budapest, that it would be their like a head office for Eastern Europe. And yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, and then later they came back. You know, they okay. realized that it was say, a was silly like, idea. Like, yeah, Budapest is good. I like Budapest. Yeah, but yeah, but they still, you know, would lose clients. You know, who needed this market, and mm. um, uh, well, anyway, they are back for many years. In the meantime, I started to work for a French uh, advertising chain, which is called, or at that time it was called Euro RSCG. It was an abbreviation of the four owners who started the company by their kind of first letters of their last names. Mm-hmm. Now it actually falls under Havas, which is a maybe more known um, huge chain, advertising chain. I think it's one of the first three or four in the world. Mm-hmm. 
And I stayed there for another eight years because advertising kind of absorbs you and it's very hard to still do something on the side because the hours are long and it's, you know, kind of creative work, but right. it's, so let, it's let, draining let, you. <laughs> let, let's get a little bit into that mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm, of stuff because mm-hmm. like, this is what I'm really, mm-hmm. the podcast is trying to be about because okay. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say, if you can't make your, what, what generally is referred to as like free art or your personal artistic expression, sometimes mm-hmm. people say, mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm. Well, just get a job doing something creative and that right. will suffice you. Whereas other people say, get a job that uses none of your creativity so that you keep all your creativity for when mm. you have the time for your own personal work. Mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. done both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that when I use my creativity at work, that I have no creativity left Right. At one, I get home. So, mm-hmm. like, did That's that affect felt. you in that same way? I would say so, yeah. It was really difficult to force myself to do something on top of it. Plus, I still had a small child, you know, and to combine all these pressures was really tough on the whole family, I would say. My husband had to step in a lot, you know, because I would have to be in the evenings recording something or in studios and or preparing a pitch for some new business, you know, and, and you just could not get, leave. And were you exhibiting as an artist, like mm-hmm. as a personal, mm-hmm. you know, I'm trying to separate your commercial mm-hmm. arts from mm-hmm. your, your, your yeah, personal yeah, yeah. arts. Yeah, yeah. So like, uh-huh. so you were both by day being a commercial artist mm-hmm. and then by night still being a, a fine artist. Well, um, it was not so much split. It was much more limited. I would say that, I had an exhibition in Toronto that was my kind of solo exhibition. And then here and there, you know, I participated in um, uh, exhibitions, which would be like a group exhibition. Uh, however, it was not a consistent work and I was frustrated that I could not do that. And so eventually, actually in 2008, when the financial crisis came, uh, offices needed to shrink, you know, personnel and kind of reduce salaries and whatnot, I decided, you know, that I was at the point when I was ready for the change. So uh, I decided, and and still before that, actually, I was working for about one year for JWT, which is another American, one of the oldest American uh, advertising companies in Prague as a creative director. yeah. Yeah. And the pressure and the stress was already too much, you know, and I thought, well, I don't need it, you know. And I thought, you know, at this point, if I don't do it now, and I was 50 at the time, and that was already probably naive to start to go, you know, into uh, the creative um, kind of art business that most people would say, you know, just give up. This is too late for you. And I thought, That's well, sad. I'm 46. Don't tell me it's too late. Well, no, no, it's 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 individual. I don't think that it's too late. Uh, I'm happy that I made the choice and that I decided to completely kind of close off the advertising and I never went back to the business. I only actually started to teach it, which was uh, another interesting door opening to me to get into the, uh, you know, kind of academic world and to prepare courses and to be able to share my knowledge and experience with, you know, young students that I enjoyed and still enjoy. I still have been teaching quite a lot. And that gives me the freedom of time, you know, much more to uh, combine it with um, my art commitments, you know, that I have uh, like 
two, three days, you know, in a row that I can just focus on my art. And if I have a show, then I focus much more on it, of course, you know, and uh, so it gives you a sustainable income. Wait, I'm sorry, you have a sustainable income <laughs> well, from your art production? No, no, not from the art, from the um, teaching, from the okay. teaching, you know, you get a say, stable paycheck, like, kind of. It's not much money, of course, we know. Well, it's not uh, much it's, money here. Right, not here, absolutely. Yeah. But it's still because, you know, we were fortunate enough to have invested in the house earlier on and we don't have uh, any burden you know of, of mortgage sure, uh, yeah. so what we make you know as uh, university teachers is kind of okay that we can it's live it's not okay it's, it's not horrible. okay if if you had to you know uh, raise kids or oh. pay for apartment or buy something you well, know i feel sorry you, yeah, for you, teachers you, now yeah i mean you have mm. grown kids you exactly, have a house yeah. it's all yeah, paid yeah. off so like you, your mm -hmm. general living mm -hmm. expenses mm -hmm. are substantially mm -hmm. lower than right. most people's that's true living yeah, expenses. yeah i have been fortunate also because i made good income I had good income sure, in advertising, yeah. you know, yeah. for many years that allowed us to save some money, you know, and to actually have this cushion, you know, of comfort, you know, that well, other people don't have. Yeah, I mean, and this is sort of, this is like the fundamental question, mm -hmm, which is mm -hmm. like, how do you find the balance of time, money, mm -hmm. energy, mm -hmm. whatever, to mm. be able to have a, like a happy life in mm. the arts? Or a or a a, huh. a life of fulfillment, whatever word mm. you want to put to it. It's just mm -hmm. you know, it's just a word. But like, mm. how do you how do you achieve that? I find that it's really difficult. Uh, I think it's difficult everywhere, but here it's even more because I think that the whole society is not being cultivated to buy art, to actually buy from artists, so they are left without any buyers. You know, there are very few collectors i think those collectors you know only focus on names that are already proven they don't want to take any risks or they buy artists who are dead and you know the, the investment is um, secure or safe or, for them or they're very young or and very young and, and very cheap. cheap exactly so they, yes they're, they're yeah, sort yeah. of being speculative and yeah. hoping that these mm. people would be worth a lot i would say that in a way uh, i see my generation uh kind of lost you know because we lived under the communism when uh, you know we were young could and not, cheap. Yeah, we, yeah, we could not really present our work to have exhibitions, you know, or dream about exhibiting abroad or you know making connections. Most people could not do it. And then when uh, we were kind of older, then everybody tried to focus on the young upcoming artists, you know, who came after the 1989. Uh, they still if they do. Were collectors, they, they still do. I mean, I've, exactly. I've been talking yeah. to a lot of gallerists, yeah. and, and yeah. a lot of them are intentionally basically mm -hmm. uh, going mm -hmm. straight to the schools and yeah. looking yeah, at yeah, the yeah. just yeah. as soon as they leave university exactly. and trying yeah. to get them early. Mm. Which I think it's um, maybe a safe avenue to go uh, because these artists could be valuable later on. The Czech market is a very unique market mm -hmm. from my experiences well actually oddly enough i'm going to say it's not that unique because mm. when i lived in the united arab emirates emirati art so art made by people born and raised in the emirates sold like hotcakes they they would sell mm. for hundreds of thousands of dollars wow. mm -hmm. even though they're just you know just out of school and things like this and then foreigners mm -hmm. who exhibited mm -hmm. they didn't care 
They, they just they wouldn't care about it. Didn't care about them at all. No, I think it's I mean, something about the local market, you know, that first collectors are interested in the local artists, right? And it's everywhere like this, I suppose. Well, and that's what I'm starting to notice is like, we talk about how the, the art market is an international global market. But mm-hmm. the more I keep talking to people in, you know, sort of smaller regional places, you mm-hmm. know, even where I grew up, was living last in North Carolina, mm-hmm. they would buy from artists in North Carolina before right. they would buy from an artist in New York mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. LA mm-hmm. or Chicago. So like, mm-hmm. it seems like no matter how international and global the, the art market, quote unquote, is, it's actually becoming, a, it almost always starts local Mm -hmm. it does i agree i agree with that i think it people are more comfortable with finding the local artists you know who exhibit locally uh, especially in a small country like czech republic you don't have uh, uh, that many artists who would live here and would be from different countries you know that's another aspect that the czech culture is very one colored like very you know uh, limited in terms of influences from other cultures and so people are not used to other thinking of other people you know who might see things differently than what they are used to see when i pers- when before i moved here when i was thinking about moving here i thought that this was a very multicultural place and very mm-hmm. welcoming mm-hmm. to different ideas mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. and i believe that prague is mm-hmm. It's different, right? But it's Prague, like a... But the city of Prague yeah. is very unique in the country. A lot of the rest of the country is not as receptive and not mm-hmm. as globalized mm-hmm. as Absolutely Prague not. Is. It's still very localized. You know, if you go out of uh, the capital, it's like a different world, you know, different mindset. It's, you know, Prague, you see tourists everywhere, right? They are like overwhelming, you know, to, to the city. But the Czech people who live in Prague are much more exposed to people from around the world, you know, and they are opening up for sure. You know, it's it's getting better. I would say Brno is another place where yeah, yeah. it's happening as well, even though it's still on a much lo- more local, smaller scale. Well, I, I think the whole Czech everything, the Czech market, the Czech government, the Czech industries, mm-hmm, and no mm-hmm. matter what industry we're talking about, mm-hmm. I think it still needs about another 20 years mm, yeah. before it's really going to get that real global influence because I think a lot of yeah. the people who were still raised under mm-hmm. communism mm-hmm. uh starting to like retire and get out right. of yeah, yeah, yeah. places out of, of influence mm-hmm. and whatever yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the people who were all born mm-hmm. after communism mm-hmm. left mm-hmm. once they all start becoming in places mm-hmm. of influence and power that's mm-hmm. when really True. check yeah. the it check. just needs one more generation probably does, yeah. at least if hopefully the world moves in peace right and nothing happens and we manage to have that stretch of time right because it happened you know no before that it was yeah, yeah peace, exactly no. that we always started something here and it stopped you know like the first republic for instance and it was uh, less than 20 years you know and if you look back since 1989 till now it's already longer than the First Republic, and it still takes so much longer, you know, to heal all the wounds, you know, that were caused by the damage, you know, during the communist time. 
Well, mm. this is very interesting. This is not a political mm. podcast. So let's get back yeah. to the arts. Okay. Um, so, so yeah. So you you were saying that the the market here is not as robust or as well educated or well influenced as we would mm-hmm. like. Let's say that's my impression. You know, like I'm not professional. Let's say to as a as an uh, gallerist would be uh, to make such claims. But my own experience is that a preference is to the young art, as we discussed. And the uh, dead artist. Or the dead artist, exactly. Uh, that it's uh, not taking too much risk. Right? Or, But I, I cannot complain myself, you know. I have to really say that I've been very happy at what I'm doing. I'm, I decided early on that I'm not going to do art which would sell well just for the sake of selling well because one thing is to make something that people will like and they will buy but it's not necessarily uh, the quality that I would be happy with and so I decided that you know I did commercial art or you know work um, making money for long enough and I'm not going to settle for just something to to have a good feeling that it sells and so I decided that I would go in the uh, direction of doing what I like to do. And hopefully it finds somebody who will like it, who will exhibit it. And so far, I have to knock on the wood that I've been really very fortunate. You know, I've been exhibiting in good galleries um, with uh, interesting um, institutions like the Docks or Gallery Zavodny is very interesting in Mikulov. Uh, it's a gallery which exhibits uh, more geometric abstract art most of the time but very, very interesting you, institution yes. yeah. or you know i also got a chance to to work in germany a couple of years ago as uh, as an artist who was selected uh, into a program around the danube region you know the danube river mm-hmm. uh, and i was the only one from the czech republic who worked there actually along with the in- other international artists and then it was in the city of regensburg and it was funded by European Union, you know, and I, I was an artist in residence there at first. And then they even funded uh, the the piece, you know, to stand in the city, which was an, kind of a large project installation that took me about half a year to, to finalize. It was like a real project management with money, you know, that I had to manage and everything. So it was a great experience. And now I just came back from uh, Finland from another artist residency uh, that uh, I was kind of proud to get into because they make um, always a very tight selection of artists, you know, who they take uh, on. And so as far as, you know, that uh, fulfilling myself and my creativity, I feel happy. Uh, I wish I could sell more, but it sometimes does just doesn't go hand in hand, you know, so much. Right, but so but you've been able to get residencies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am fascinated mm-hmm, because I'm mm-hmm. always incredibly self-conscious and nervous and everything when I get to write mm-hmm. applications uh-huh. for whatever. I don't care if it's a yeah. grant or a residency or whatever. Sure. It's nerve-wracking. I mean, is literally mm-hmm. having to 
bare my soul in some way, some mm-hmm. way of, of a written form that somehow describes what I'm going to visually create. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a very difficult thing mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. try and mm-hmm. translate effectively. Mm-hmm. And then also like find like even find the right thing to apply for. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. it's so time consuming it and is. tedious it's and yeah. like tell me a little bit more about like, okay. your experiences mm-hmm. of trying to find the right residencies mm-hmm. and then trying mm-hmm. to figure out how to write the right application artist statement whatever it is right. like you seem to have done it mm-hmm. well i'll tell you my experience yeah, so, you know i don't have that much of an experience well you applied for two and right. you got two, two. yes so that's a hundred percent success rate so yeah, yeah. but um i have to say uh, it was a great school the advertising world you know the business side you know that i learned how to deal with business um that definitely helped uh it structured my thoughts my way of expressing, you know, my ideas. It was very focused. I always had to be very focused in expressing what my clients needed. And so I just kind of applied it to myself in a way. And that's what brought me to the conceptual way of thinking, you know, that I have an idea first and then I find way of of delivering that idea. And so it's kind of multimedia, you know, that I also worked in. Uh, due to that nature of how I express my ideas. And so for the residency in Germany, in Regensburg, I got recommended through the work that I did in Kunsthalle in Bratislava, where I exhibited one of the conceptual pieces. And the curator, who was the head curator of the Kunsthalle there at the time, he somehow you know liked to work with me and he recommended me because he was on the panel of judges for germany all right so let me just get this clear that's how i got i was gonna say let me get clear Mm -hmm, what i'm hearing mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. you got that you got that offer of that residency Mm -hmm. you were nominated for that because you were part of a group show in bratislava Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, correct yeah, it so, kind of led from one thing to the next, Well, right? that's the thing is, like, yeah. I, I want people who are listening to this podcast to sort mm-hmm. of hear this, mm-hmm. like, dot to dot to dot, exactly. which is basically, yeah. you do this random group exhibition in Bratislava that you, that by itself doesn't look like it's really going to do much for your career. Mm-hmm. In a way, it did, because already to exhibit in the Kunsthalle was already, you know, a, okay, a so great achievement, a, okay. like, to be there. Okay, so it, it was, was a reputable It was exhibition. a very reputable place, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. But also because I exhibit first that same piece, which was called Dictionary, you know, it was like a a very participatory piece, which I really like to work on, you know, pieces like that, where people can step in and do something with the piece to participate. Through that show, it moved on to Slovakia, to Bratislava, because it's another, at that time it was in 19... Uh, sorry, t- uh, 2016, when the crisis with the refugees was, you know, at its height, 2015 and 16. And so I, I worked on these pieces which um, were partly political, you know, partly social. That's kind of where I feel that, you know, I, I want to express myself now. And they needed, you know, pieces that would be opening up a discussion about that topic, you know, and, and because this curator really felt that 
it worked for for the show probably well he wanted somebody who could work in that conceptual way in Germany because it was based on very much of a conceptual way of thinking of uh, finding creative spaces in the city and opening them up and presenting them in in an artistic way to locals and the tourists who come to the city and so he wanted a person who spoke english well you know who could communicate as well and who was able to to de- deliver you know that promise you know that uh, kind of uh, uh, what they expected you know they expected uh, somebody who who could take care of you know the whole process basically so i think that i was lucky that way i was a great project and in finland you know the second residency that i uh, got i applied actually about four times to get it it wasn't right away i didn't get it great thing to learn you know? though tenacity yeah. tenacity yeah. yeah just keep persevering you know yeah. keep okay doing but it. okay mm-hmm. so you applied four times for this particular mm-hmm. residency because mm-hmm. you really really wanted to go to yeah. it did you do the same application four times or no, did you it so, was every year different okay so every year yeah. so one thing that bothers me, like I, I really wish there was some way to get this to happen, which is that we all will offer. So whatever it is, whether we're submitting to a gallery or whether we're submitting, you mm-hmm. know, to submitting to a residency or a grant mm-hmm. or whatever it is, we submit and we basically get yes or no. Mm-hmm. But when we get yeah. either one, it doesn't even matter yes yeah. or no. Nobody ever helps us by That's going. Right. You know what no. you did yeah. right yeah. was yeah. this. This you is why know. you got it. Mm-hmm. Or this is what you did wrong. Mm-hmm. Please try to adjust mm-hmm. this for next year. Nobody gives us feedback mm-hmm. to yeah, do yeah. it better. I agree. It's frustrating, and you just so how say, are we expected just tell to you... know how to do it better? <laughs> you have to kind of figure it out for yourself. Yeah, the, what you did wrong, maybe you know, and and try it from a different angle or uh, I, th- I thought maybe they get wrong. fed up, you know, with me and they will give it to me eventually, you sure, know, yeah, who knows. Yeah, Julian Schnabel style. <laughs> yeah, but no, uh, it's, um, uh, th- this time I made it again very kind of social and political at the same time and um, they really wanted to hear, you know, that because in Finland they seem to face similar problems with immigrants opinions that people have uh, very close-minded uh, one color culture and they they kind of wanted to hit that string you know that I wrote about and it was something that uh, resonated with them you know well I mean the primary thing is is basically like you have to read the 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 place you're applying mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. it doesn't grant whatever you mm-hmm. I mean, art gallery whatever it is you read mm-hmm, what they what right. they intend to do and you mm-hmm. make sure that you actually hit the points exactly. of what they want yeah, to do that you fit into their program somehow yeah, i know yeah. but some of them are very open mm-hmm. with what their mm-hmm. their program is and what their you know intentions are and some of them are not and so mm-hmm. you just mm-hmm. never know if you're mm-hmm. hitting those mm-hmm. points because mm-hmm. they don't offer those they make no. like vague things like oh we want it to be socially mm-hmm. conscious Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Uh, then, <laughs> what does it say? Yeah. conscious about what? Like, I think that it 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 sort of comes to me. Uh, I feel that once you have sufficient amount of work behind you, that's one thing that they look at. You know how successful you are with what you are pursuing. You know, and which way you are going. Well, that begs an interesting question. Yeah. I I have a friend who from grad school that used to say he he'll he'll feel successful at the end of his career if he has an exhibition, just an exhibition, every year for his entire life. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just wants one that, exhibition okay. every single year. So Depends does, on your goals, right? Yeah, yeah no, if that's what no, you want no to do, then year. it's great. Yeah, yeah. But see, like I had the problem where I made a, I guess I'm, I'm starting to learn that I made a huge mistake where I went to the United Arab Emirates. And mm-hmm. even before that, mm-hmm. I was in Ohio, which was a middle of nowhere, nothing place. And I, there's a huge gap mm-hmm. in my career mm-hmm. where I, right. like, I didn't participate yeah, I, as much. I did the same thing, right? And, and I was in Canada. And, and I came back, right? And it's the same gap, right? Yeah, I wasn't like, here. How do, you, how do you sort of get past that gap? How do you... Just work and work, you know? Just kind of work uh, the best you can uh, with what you believe in. And Don't get you me wrong. Hope, I, I, but, I walked out of the UAE. Mm-hmm. I have six years. I was there for six mm-hmm. years. And I have six years worth of artwork that mm-hmm. I was producing mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. but I couldn't exhibit while I was there. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of artwork. I okay. Mm-hmm. But I but I haven't exhibited. And so everybody thinks it looks like, well, if you look at my CV, it looks like yeah. I, I haven't, haven't done, done anything, anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for like mm-hmm. five years. Right. But in reality, I've been doing a lot, but mm-hmm. I just haven't had the opportunity mm-hmm. to exhibit mm-hmm. it. So mm-hmm. it's like... Uh, I think that, well... I think Americans are actually good at this, you know, like you have to push yourself a little bit, you know, into the door and and sell yourself also to the people that you care about. Like I, I, I'm not just waiting and sitting if somebody calls me. I make contact, you know, and why through those ma- contacts. Why did you make that an American thing? Why does that have to be an American thing? What? <laughs> I think that Americans are pushier. good. No, well, pushier. I would say maybe more confident than than other countries, you know, and arrogant. M- mm, sometimes they can be. That's yeah, true. We are. It's yeah, it's, I it's, take no offense. It's a balance. It's, okay. it's a balance. Yes, but we admire that, right, in Europe, because. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. I, no, I've, I've had I lots of people that that yeah. say that they really don't appreciate. Mm-hmm. It's my, true. true. My. Um, mm-hmm. Even my sort of, a, I don't know, assertiveness, uh-huh. let's say. What are they, yeah, 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 there are a lot of people in the Czech Republic that, mm. in Europe Especially that don't the Czechs, it. yeah. They are very sensitive to that assertiveness, right? Because they were always told, be modest. Don't sell yourself to others, right? If they want you, they will see that you are good, you know? And that's well, not so good to do. But they won't so see that do. you're good if you yeah. can't exhibit. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Like the, your work sitting in your studio is not mm-hmm. being seen by anybody. So you mm-hmm. have to mm-hmm. be assertive. You have mm-hmm. to be proactive yeah. in getting your work out there mm-hmm. or else nobody mm-hmm. will see it. Mm-hmm. But there is a different mm-hmm. thing that happens here that I've noticed, which is in America, in the smaller towns that I lived in, so let's not say big cities, the there weren't many curators that I could just say, hey, mm-hmm. come, would you like to do a studio visit? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, right. in New York, Chicago, LA, yeah. yes, you could get curators to do a studio visit. But here, it seems like it, instead of being necessarily proactive in getting in exhibitions, you want to be mm-hmm. proactive in getting more curators and people of mm-hmm. that ilk, mm-hmm. so gallerists, curators, those kinds of people, mm-hmm. to come do studio visits. So it's not always about necessarily mm. exhibiting mm. your works as much right. as it's just getting select people to view your works in some way. Well, it goes hand in hand with if you have uh, curators who believe in you, then they will be able to explain you to people, you know, who are your spokespeople. They, and you How need you to have people these like spokespeople? that. Yeah, well, like, it's there. There is no uh, no recipe is for there that. A guild I or is there a group? Is there no. like an association? You know what I did when I started, and I I uh, I actually wanted to exhibit in a, in a 
good respected gallery and I, and I didn't know, know so much and I thought gallery of critics in Prague you know is a respected gallery you know it's like a guild of the art critics and so I did that I had to pay uh, quite a bit of money to exhibit there and be able to actually find my sponsors you know and and collect all the money to actually do to make a catalog to pay for the space like I, I had to pay at that time but I was willing to do that and I asked a very respected uh, art critic or curator whose name was Jiri Valoch a very famous um, kind of art historian you can also say he, he ran the um the, the main gallery in Brno for many years the Dum Umnieni and he was willing to come over and to visit my studio and he studio to, visits right See? yeah yeah but you I had to call him or to well I didn't call him I wrote him you know a very kind of politely whether he would be willing to come sure and uh he was very nice and and he he wrote a number of texts about my work which started to be more respected, you know, by others. And so you need somebody like that, you know, who is able to kind of guarantee the quality of what you are doing. Right, which then leads on to another big question that I have about the contemporary visual art market. And mm-hmm. this is the thing, it's mm-hmm. like, so in, in traditionally, so what you're talking about is you're talking about the early 90s kind of era, Mm, no, that that was already like after 2008, you know, when I started. After yes, okay. yeah, that's so, so much this later. So still going on. Then. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because what I'm seeing is is that there's with social media and the mm-hmm. internet, there's such mm-hmm. a glut of people that feel that their opinion is qualified, qualifying, mm-hmm. critical, mm-hmm. appropriate, you know, whatever that there's so many people giving their opinions about art that the basically the public doesn't know who to rely to to mm-hmm. trust on like the critics have lost their mm-hmm. luster mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like there are as many of them and as many mm. of them that are as well um respected i would say that there are still here in the country you know if you are in the business that you know you know who is who very after or after some time you know you know who is recognized who is trusted, who uh, is like, if, if they are willing to uh, work with you to curate your exhibition, then, you know, uh, this already gives you that luster, that credit, you know, that, that you do it with people like that. And it's still quite a limited number of people, curators, who are at that level. And that's, I think that if you want to be really respected, you you need to find who those people are and kind of be able to introduce yourself to them and to interest them. You know? Well, I mean, that's one of those things. Okay, because hmm. I don't care if you're living in New York, Paris, mm-hmm. Amsterdam, Berlin, mm-hmm. here, wherever. Okay, great, you're right. An artist needs to connect with a curator. How does an artist connect with a curator? Like that, to me, as an mm-hmm. artist, that mm-hmm. is such a nebulous concept. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, yes, connect with a, a curator. Yeah. Well, it's not easy. Yeah. No, uh, it's I mean, like a snowball, you know. It's just like with the residencies, you know. Once you are approved in a way, you know, with one. That's what I was told actually by one journalist who writes about art. And I was telling him, you know, like I got this Finland residency and I had the German one. And he said, this is how it goes because I've been on juries 
for residencies. Once you were successful in one, it's much easier to get the next, right? And it goes like this. And it's the same with the curators. Once they find out that you interest somebody who is respected, they are much more willing to put their name, you know, under your exhibition or your work. I know it's kind of silly that we are depending on the curators uh, as artists. Well, but the but honest truth, is. well, but that's part of the big thing about the arts world mm -hmm, mm -hmm, is that, mm -hmm. quite honestly, everybody depends on everybody. Mm -hmm. So, like, we can mm -hmm. say as mm -hmm. artists, mm -hmm. you and I, that we depend on curators. Mm -hmm. well, or equally, gallerists. Or gallerists. Mm -hmm. But equally, they de they depend on, on us. On us. Like, right. Because yeah. if, we're, mm -hmm. if there are not us making good quality works, mm -hmm. either they're not going to be able to put on a quality exhibition as a curator, or they're not going to be able to sell artworks as a gallery, mm -hmm. and they're going to basically lose their jobs. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, mm -hmm. it is, it's a symbiotic relationship in mm -hmm. many ways. Mm -hmm. But it always feels like, as the artist, we're at the bottom of the totem pole. <laughs> like mm. we're we're the ones mm -hmm. that mm. we rely on them. It mm. feels like mm -hmm. more than they rely on us. I would say, yeah. Well, they have maybe more. Well, no, it's not correct to say that they have more choices than we we do. I think it's the same. We can choose as from as many curators as they can choose from as many artists, and right? it goes both ways. It's uh, a matter of finding the click, right? With whom you find the match. Right? And of course, you know, my work doesn't find match with many curators who are not interested. And I had many experiences when they really were not interested. They don't write you back. They are just kind of not on the other side. They are, you know, not receptive. Uh, not not yeah. receptive, yeah. Well, actually, and you bring up the, 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 that issue and, and then... It, the fact that you're getting exhibitions in Bratislava and doing mm -hmm. residencies in Germany and mm -hmm, Finland mm -hmm, starts mm -hmm. to make me wonder, like, so your work, now you, you are Czech, you work here, your work is, we'll call it Czech related because you mm -hmm. are a Czech mm -hmm. person. Yeah, yeah. Um, but is your market the Czech Republic? Or do does you know, That's or a good is there question. more interest both mm -hmm. by buying and or supporting through grants, exhibitions, mm -hmm. and, and residencies? Does it seem like it's more outside the Czech Republic? Well, I guess the interest uh, to exhibit could be outside of the Czech Republic, but to sell my work, I think I still haven't found my market. To be honest, you know to to find people who are willing to buy conceptual work. It's not a piece of art that you put on the wall that you hang in your living room, you know, and conceptual work is more difficult to sell, I would say to people, you know, because it's sometimes not as tangible or it's um, not just one piece. It's, it's a series of things, you know, that is... Um, just not like a typical piece of art, I would say, you know, and I think that not as many galleries are willing to exhibit co uh, conceptual art here. It's still. tough. It's yeah. Conceptual art across mm -hmm. the board mm -hmm. is very difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, same with abstraction. Mm -hmm. uh, they're mm -hmm. both very mm -hmm. difficult mm -hmm. things to sell. Mm -hmm. But conceptual art, at least the conceptual art, the works that I've seen of yours are also very much sort of interactive, very mm -hmm. installation based mm -hmm. also. Mm -hmm. I mean, exactly. You've kind of put yourself yeah. into the character that you you really can only sell to institutions and 
yeah. museums. I mean, true. The, yeah. it, it, people are not mm-hmm. going to be buying mm-hmm. an installation piece to put in their living room. That's what I'm hoping that, yeah, the, my work would be more of an interest to the institutions and museums, as you said, like GASC, you know, the gallery of the uh, Central European region, kind of took on a few pieces of mine for their uh, permanent uh, installation or exhibition. Nice. However... It's it's always a struggle, you know, will they buy the, the work? Will they only exhibit it because they like oh. to exhibit it? Yeah, but wait, you know, okay, the wait. budget is always limited that so they have. there's this museum. I, I apologize, I've never mm-hmm. heard of this mm-hmm. museum. Mm-hmm. But so this museum has your work on display. Right. Permanent display. Mm-hmm. 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 But they haven't actually bought it? No, not yet. It's in Kutna Hora, which is a, a kind of a nice place outside of Prague very kind of historical there's a huge gallery of artists Uh, they exhibit artists who are from this region from the central bohemian region and uh, it's a very respected institution okay and to get them buy your piece because many institutions would like you to donate the piece just to be able to write that you are in that institution, that you are in the National Gallery, right, for instance. Why, but how why, can you make a living, right, if I nobody buys it? Yeah. What, why, why is it that all these places and people and institutions believe that artists can mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. would be willing to donate, just donate mm-hmm. art, their art mm-hmm. to whatever, because well. it looks good on their CV, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. we're the one, like they are running a large institution that yes. has millions of euros that, mm-hmm. to, to keep their doors open, pay their property taxes, pay their salaries, do all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff, the insurance, mm-hmm. etc. And we're here barely making enough money to to like keep our, our, right. our housing and yes. our food in our bellies. And they yeah. expect us to give mm-hmm. them things mm-hmm. for free. Exactly. Well, I think that that's that symbiotic I feel relationship. Like I probably just got myself in a lot of trouble with a lot of <laughs> yeah, listeners. Yeah, you got carried away, <laughs> but, right? But yeah. it's fine. No, it's 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 part of maybe an, a way of exploitation of the artists. You know, well, that's non, how I non-profit feel. Nonprofit or mm-hmm. NGOs yeah, do this, yeah, where they often yeah. ask artists to right. donate works mm-hmm, to mm-hmm, to uh, mm-hmm. charity auctions and things mm-hmm, like this. Mm-hmm. I hate those. Right. Why, why does a charity think that we can just give something that we put our time, energy, and money into, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. give it to them for free so that right. they can earn money off of it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel the same frustration as you are expressing because many people feel that maybe I could just give them my work, okay, uh, just as friends. But, you know, they make enough money to buy something, right? So... I think that people should really reconsider their position towards the artists and that artists really need to be supported, to be respected because the studies are very long. It takes six years, you know, at the academy. You work the whole life to actually create the work that you do and you cannot just give it to somebody because... Otherwise, you cannot make a living as an artist, right? And it's it's actually a privilege to be able to do it or everywhere, I suppose, in the world. You have to be really good to be able to work as an artist. And still, you rarely get really well off by selling your work, right? But it isn't, I mean, but yeah. that's, that's so sad. Yeah, it is, yeah. Because the world is so commercialized and people are not sensitive enough, I find. You know, when I teach art to students, 
the his history of uh, of Western art, I always start because many of them are business students, you know, and I tell them, you know, there is a side of business, but there is also side of uh, sensitivity and um, the ability to see beauty and to support beauty, you know, in the world, because that's what makes the world better, right? And you have to learn to put some money aside and to buy original art. I'm a fan. I'm, you don't have to convince me. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying it in general uh, because I think that people don't think about these things much, you know, and very few people are willing to be collecting art and many of them are collecting art because it's a good investment, but they don't understand it. They have curators who will choose the artist for them, you know, what's worth buying. And it's a business proposition, you know, it's not about love for arts. Before starting this podcast, I sort of came up with this philosophy of what defines a, a successful artist in the industry. And I believe that there are four, maybe three, but probably four prongs that define when you have l achieved a level of success. Mm hmm what that is, a respected gallerist, a respected curator, a respected collector, and maybe the fourth prong, a respected publisher. Mm -hmm. If you can get all one, just one, or if you can get all four of those, you will be successful because the, the mm -hmm. it's this great cycle yeah. the the publisher will get you more galleries the mm -hmm. galleries will get you more yep. buyers the collector will get you more into more institutions the curator will get you more museums but like mm -hmm. you trying to get those are like the 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 pinnacle those four mm -hmm. things if you can get those four things in your life in your artistic career then like you've reached a level of success Mm -hmm. that then starts that snowball mm -hmm. that you're talking right. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely agree with you. I feel that that's so. I would maybe add one more pillar to it, yeah. which is auctions. If you have your work at auctions here, at least, you know, I don't know how it's in the world. That, but yeah. for sure, you know, at Sotheby's, right? Like Christie's, uh, that's the highest you can go. But even here, if you are at a respected auction where other artists who are being collected are being offered then you are in the rank right of those people well see now this is an interesting thing i have never heard of this before mm -hmm. before moving here to prague mm -hmm, mm -hmm. two years ago i'd never heard of a living working artist selling their works in auctions mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. usually it's always the the auction market to me is a secondary market where the artists earn right. no money from it, basically. So it's whoever yeah. bought the work, uh -huh. they then resell mm -hmm. it. They earn mm -hmm. all the money. Mm -hmm. So the idea mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. living, practicing artists can choose to put their work into auctions in order to create more mm -hmm. of a, an established mm -hmm. uh, reputation, right. yeah. that's a brand new thing I've never heard of before. So what is yeah, that I all I think about? that you uh, have the same uh, structure at uh, those respected houses that I mentioned, Christie's or Sotheby's. Living artists are selling their work there. I don't know if it's first hand. I doubt that. I think this is the secondary hand, as you I are saying. I was going to say, I think that's like a gallery to, that yeah, bought yeah, the work a collector from a, to a, the reselling it as a secondary thing. Here, but, yeah, but actually, these auction yeah. uh, people who started auctions, for instance, they are looking for artists and for works of art to a particular auction. 
and they are choosing who they take to that auction, right? If if they give you a chance, for instance, if you are not known artist, they might take one piece, you know, and uh, if it sells, great. If it doesn't, maybe they don't give you the second chance after that, you know, because it's after all something that goes into a catalog and uh, and um, they ha- they take their risks basically so they they prefer to have artists who are already established who are more likely to be sold rather than somebody who doesn't have their name and, so known yet and right? have you tried this have you i have yeah i have been approached by uh specifically one auction house from brno and they took some pieces of uh, of my work to their auction and it didn't sell and i'm not in touch with them at the moment you know so i think that's my experience you know how they uh, would approach it that they would go to present artists that they are more sh- sure of uh, earning them some money that makes sense right well, yeah i mean of course an art yeah. auction yeah. obviously wants yeah. the names that they yeah. can sell and yeah. things like this yeah. but but so it's you have to make the name first somewhere else, and then you know the auction is maybe another. How do we venue. make the name? <laughs> like I mean, th- this is one of those yeah. things. Like I've been, you know, I thought I understood how the art world worked. I'll be honest. In the, in the mm-hmm. past ten years, I, I mm-hmm. wasn't as active as I probably should have been, and I have suddenly realized that I have no idea how it works now. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's been a dramatic shift in how the art industry works between the internet and social media and the globalization, yet not really seemingly globalization, but like the globalization of mm-hmm. the arts world. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you do it these days? Like, how do you get out there? Like, you know are you I, an I, active I, user of social media? N- well, not so much. And I should start using Instagram more, you know, and I just kind of... Uh, decided purposely for some time not to use it because I thought of uh, not being overwhelmed by social media too much. Uh, but I think that probably Instagram is a, a good thing and I'll give it a try. But, it is. Uh, I've had successes I, with, yeah. with Instagram, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I would say that, like what I did was things that maybe artists should not do, but I still did them. I went to Basel, to Switzerland, for instance, to the to the uh, you know Art, Art Basel, Basel yeah. yeah, to the big fair, and I found some galleries that I liked what they exhibited, and I had that first catalog, you know, that I printed in in the first show or from the first show, and I spoke with some of them, and with one gallery in Berlin, you know, it, we kind of stroke a chord, and she invited me to exhibit with uh, their show in Berlin. And so, you know, things that artists normally don't do, I just thought, well, what the heck, you know, I'm going to try it, even though it's not the way to uh, do it. No, artists do it all the time. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know. But normally you have somebody who presents you to uh, these galleries, like a curator, right? They would present you and they would say, oh, this is a person to watch out for. And um, I would be interested to do an exhibition with them. Oh, no, I've been been at art fairs. It's very common for Mm -hmm. artists to go around with their catalogs and and meet the the galleries directly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not super common, Mm -hmm. but it is common. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, Mm -hmm. I've done it. I've been there. I've seen it. I've even even Mm -hmm. done it myself. So, like, I get it. Uh Good. 
I mean, yeah. some again, it's going back to that being proactive. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. if you yeah, have yeah. a chance and you happen to be here in Prague, so you're very close to Art Basel, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. you know a lot of people in the world aren't mm-hmm. able to just like hop mm-hmm. on a train mm-hmm. and go to Art Basel. So, I mean, the opportunity to be able to go there and literally sort of mm-hmm. find some galleries that mm-hmm. you believe you connect with and and just chat them up is right a great opportunity that most people in the world most artists don't have yeah. well i do it all the time you know i i just go to meet gallerists you know and uh, and either it clicks or it doesn't right and that's how you meet new people and they are either uh, on the same kind of wavelength you know they like what you do and they want to cooperate with you or or nothing happens right but i think that yeah as you said before you cannot just sit and wait and just do your work that rarely happens during your lifetime that you will survive you know doing that so i think that's at least at least what i do and it's not easy it's uh i think that i'm uh, maybe not the right prospect for gallerists because of uh, you know not being the young artist that is you know what we already discussed and my age artists who stayed in the country would be already having all the connections because you know they never fell out of those connections right Mm. that's what we also talked about that you know if you are out nobody knows about you right and you really have to work from scratch on building those contacts you know that you need and uh, well well that's yeah. an interesting question okay working in the commercial arts when you did for what 12 no, 13, much longer years? i worked for over 20 years 20, in, in 20 years in the commercial yeah. arts in the all in in all honesty and all sort of bluntness mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with the fine arts like so being a having a great reputation in the mm-hmm. commercial arts mm-hmm. it does no, not directly it doesn't translate help you at all okay. no of course maybe it, it can hurt you rather than help you you know uh, that's for sure but it helped me it helped me in the way i i was thinking that actually i went my own way you know and if i never worked in advertising never experienced uh, you know the life in canada or all the experiences that we had my work would be very different, you know. So to me, it was always enriching. And actually, it shaped what I do and how I do it. Uh, well, that, and, the business yeah. side of it, mm-hmm. I think, is a, also is a the very business important side, part. That but you... also the focus on on delivering clearly an idea, you know, and that's what I'm trying to do. And that's the parallel that I actually make between advertising and fine arts. And that's why I always like to work in advertising. I actually really enjoyed it. I enjoy the creative side of it, uh, the challenge challenges of uh, the new brief, you know, and, and tackling that problem, you know, what to do about it. Actually, the process of thinking is the fun for me, even though it's so hard and I struggle with it, you know, and, and uh, it's um, painful the same way as... Uh, it is in advertising just as in fine arts. I would say it's the same process of struggle. But in advertising, you get paid for it, you know. In art, it's yeah. much more difficult to yeah, find the market. We, yeah. I've talked about this with people in the past. It's like 
most industries, you you do work. It's, it's sort of an A B thing. You do work, you get paid your salary. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. the arts is mm-hmm. you you don't get paid, yeah. you don't get paid. You try mm-hmm. something, you fail mm-hmm. at it. You don't mm-hmm. get paid, you don't get paid. You keep trying, you fail at it until finally you find some success, and then mm-hmm. maybe somebody might be willing to pay you for it. Yeah, when you are seventy, maybe. And it's never it's as, never enough to actually pay for all the time and energy you put as, into as the Paul practice. Paul McCartney sing, sings when I'm sixty four, right? Yeah. Who will care for me? Yeah, yeah. It's so <laughs> sad. Such a sad state of affairs. <laughs> yeah. Back to the the business of the arts, the kind of focus of this. So, like at this point, you are working as an artist, and you are also having to do your side hustles. You have to do other things to create more standard incomes. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So you you're teaching, and is that it? Yeah, I teach. I don't work in advertising anymore, and I uh, get uh, my work paid for mainly through institutions um, like um, the German uh, commission, you know, that I worked on was uh, fully funded by the city of Regensburg. And um, that was, uh, you know, a, a kind of a interesting challenge creatively, but at the same time, it was uh, recognized uh, for the value, you know, that it, it had and they paid for it, you know, so... So they, they paid you a good, like, basically you had the equivalent of a salary being built into the cost not, of it Not as a well. salary, it was a, it was a sum of money that we agreed on that mm. I will make. It was a, a large construction, metal construction, right. which weighed 600 kilos, you know, and then I had to have a company make it for me. I had architect, I had to pay people to do it. I had static engineer, you know, it sure. was difficult. But my interest um, is... And you were able and to take home some money for yeah, your time. Yeah, it was up to me how much I'm able to save for myself, you know, out of that commission. Hmm? Mm, okay. So, yeah. It's, it's a tough yeah. market we're very in. Very tough. Very tough. Very hard. Um, it's. I still love to do that, but sometimes it wears me out. And I feel like uh, maybe I don't feel like struggling so much, so hard and maybe it's for younger people to do and and then again you know something else comes up and i and i like doing it again and kind of um, enjoying that work but always hoping that it will do better than it does basically you know it's uh, that's the frustration we have to have that though like if we don't hope that our work is well received or anything mm-hmm. like that like nobody else will mm-hmm. uh, you know one thing that was taught to me when i was in school was Nobody else in the world is going to be your cheerleader. Nobody mm-hmm. else is going to mm-hmm. care whether you mm-hmm. succeed or mm-hmm. your work is well received or anything like that more than you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so you have to be your own mm-hmm. advocate. Promoter. Yeah. yeah. Whatever advocate. you want to call mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but, but you can't mm-hmm. rely on anybody else to do it for you. I mean, yes, in a, in a perfect world, our gallerist would do it for us, but not everybody has a gallerist. So, mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. every gallery yeah. will do that work. Mm-hmm. Some, some mm-hmm. will, some mm-hmm. won't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you yeah. know, you still have to sort of believe in yourself and you have to be some amount of self-confident to be able to even be in this industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely at first it's a, it's a lot of hard work, you know, that you have to be very honest with yourself, you know, if what you are doing is is really so original and and so special that you cannot do it better, you know, than than what you have done. 
Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, I I often do portfolio reviews of mm-hmm. photographers, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like I'm constantly looking at photographers, just being like, yeah, I've, it's lovely. You you technically did this as a beautiful image, mm-hmm. but I've seen mm-hmm. it before. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, yeah. what are you well, adding? In it. Mm-hmm. Like I have this t- terminology yeah. that I use, which is uh, I I want to see work that adds to the vernacular of the medium. Mm-hmm. Like I exactly. want to see, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love that you have an homage to some great artists of the, of the past, but I want to see you adding something more to it. What's mm-hmm. the new thing that you're introducing mm-hmm. to the art mm-hmm. world that mm-hmm. wasn't there because it wasn't made by you? Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, I suppose, what, you know, all these professional people have been looking for in art, right? If it's there or not. Sometimes it can be kind of artificially instilled in it, but I heard some advice by some, I don't know, internet people who said that you have to keep at it, keep doing it. You know, that's the only way of doing it. Great. So wrapping it up, last two questions. Mm -hmm. You've listened to my podcast before, so you know what these last two questions are going to be. So What's your advice about trying to be successful in the arts? So, yeah, however you define that word, what's mm-hmm. that thing that you could impart upon the listeners mm-hmm. about being successful? Well, honestly, when I started, uh, again, you know, to get myself into the art world, after all those years in advertising, I told myself that I want to do work uh, which... Um, I would be happy about that I could uh, sign my name under and that was my goal you know like to do things that I enjoy doing I didn't think about success at that time and uh, success is nice but you cannot push it and um, you have to wait for it that's my advice okay as good as any Then the last question, of course, is my question about the Museum of Modern Art. You've heard this, I'm sure, and mm-hmm. I'm sure the listeners have heard my whole spiel on it, but I'm going to say it again. So the, the question is, is if I want to get a piece of my artwork exhibited mm-hmm. in the Museum of Modern Art, mm-hmm. what would your recommendation be? Hmm. It wow. can just be a step in the process. It's mm-hmm. not the mm-hmm. end process. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. So meeting particular curators, yeah. you know, working with... Meet a curator from MoMA. I actually did, you know, when I exhibited in New York uh, in the Czech uh, house, like, uh, you know, there is a building of the Czech culture and uh, there was a curator from MoMA who came to see the show and I didn't know it. She was, I think, an external curator at that time and she liked the work, you know, and I had a nice discussion with her, but I just didn't take it anywhere from from there, which was silly, probably. Probably, yeah, probably, yeah. 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 But <laughs> I guess that your your work to be at the level that you will catch their interest, because you know there are people who saw many many things, and uh, it has to be something that is meaningful and that kind of touches their heart or you know anybody's heart not just theirs it has to be work that connects with people and if you can do that you know then i think people recognize it and the curators also recognize it and if you do it well you know in a, in a specific style or way that other people don't do then uh, you know 
you might make your first step, you know, but to get that originality uh, is not an easy work and it takes time to get to it. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. It was my pleasure. Good luck. Good luck.